1: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry?
0: <sighs> Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh?
1: Ah, <sighs> oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino.
0: of their own. This is episode 21. I am Allison McCaig. I am joined this week by Maggie Wiggin back from vacation. Hi, Maggie. Hi, Allison. We are not joined by Linda this week. She is on vacation now, so we've swapped one co-host for another. Um, However, we will have uh, Sarah Sanchez of Bleed Cubby Blue on for the latter part of the show. But for our Metsy segment, it's just Maggie and I this week. Um, so to start things off, we have to do our breaking news, Maggie. <laughs> breaking, breaking news. news. Pete Alonzo just broke the single season franchise record for home runs, which is very exciting. Um, he now has 42 home runs this season. Um, and yay, it's all very, very happy. <laughs> yeah, we don't get a lot of like,
2: just straight up happy Mets announcements. There's almost always a butt going on. I mean, I suppose the butt could be here that they're still losing, but, mm. but, but, but Polar Bear. I'm so proud of him. He seems like such a genuinely good dude and hard worker. And I am like, Carlos Beltran is like, like an all time top three Met for me. Same. Um, and so I. I don't really want to see Beltran's name knocked out of any record books, but like, I'm so happy it was, it was Pete. He deserves it so much. He's incredible. He's been like just such a consistent bright spot for a team. That's kind of had some highs and lows.
0: Yeah, I agree. And Beltran already made a very nice tweet about it. Let me see if I can find it. Maybe it wasn't, maybe it wasn't a tweet. He made a statement unless it was a tweet. I can't remember. I know that I heard them say on the broadcast that Beltran said something already about... He I said,
2: like, I have it right here. Oh, good. Allison, would you like to hear? Yes, I All would. All right, let me, let me tell you what Beltran said. Uh, it's a pleasure to have a fine young player like Pete Alonso break my record. I have not met Pete personally, but people have told me he plays the game with passion and doesn't give up on any at-bat. He has had great success in his first year. Again, my congrats, Pete. And then Todd Hundley, also the co-sharer of that record but the one that fewer people remember um <laughs> he also had a really nice statement which was to me he's more than a power hitter he's a pure hitter i've seen five or six of his games and he keeps getting better and better he has just had a tremendous year congrats pete you deserve all the records you have broken
0: that's awesome high praise very yes. high praise from those well two deserved x-mets and and you know um cody bellinger was incredibly gracious as well when pete Bro- pete broke his record for um single season for a rookie in the national league so you know very nice to see that everyone is you know everyone appreciates how great pete is um it makes me happy
2: yeah i think anyone with any mind towards baseball recognizes that there's something really really special happening here with pete right now
0: yep agree um, so as far as the Mets as a wider team go, um, they enter this Cubs series um, having had a, a fairly up and down last uh, week of play. They swept the Indians, which was huge because the Indians are one of the better teams in baseball. So that was, you know, really fun. And the Indians Twitter account had called the Mets a fringe playoff contender and the Mets swept them, which was really nice. Um, and some, you know, pretty epic games in that series. We had the 10th inning walk-off from JD Davis, or he screamed into the microphone, we did it again. And, you know, uh, the highest of highs. um, And then what
2: happened, Allison? (laughs) And then what happened?
0: And then what happened? And sandwiched in between the last game of the Indian series, we had a really long rain delay, um, too, which was, you know, challenging for the team. Um, And, you know, it just makes me think about, you know, this is a smaller theme, but it's important, I think, that Major League Baseball really has to do something about its weather policy, in my opinion.
2: It does. And it just it doesn't even need to be like the right policy because there's never going to be any perfect policy on weather up until the day that all parks have retractable roofs or whatever. It just has to be something consistent and has to be something thoughtful. And what they're working with right now is neither thoughtful nor consistent. And as a result, you get bullshit like that two and a half hour rain delay followed by another hour long rain delay. And a still unfinished game. Yep. Yep.
0: Um, But the Mets did hang on to win that game, thanks uh, mostly to fantastic pitching from Noah Syndergaard, who continues to be great post-All-Star break. Um, So that was fun. And then what happened? They got swept by the Braves. Not great. Um, The Mets have, you know, post-All-Star break, their record against not Braves is extremely good, but their record against Braves is very bad.
2: Man, I'll tell you what, I would be really happy to never face the Braves ever again in like, the nice. history of the world. Um, but I will say, every playoff team, it seems, there was some team, good or bad, that had their number during the regular season. And if the 2019 Mets, you know, if, if, they're, if the team that has their number is the Braves, which is a really, really good team, there are worse things, but the bigger issue is just that they n- need to stop treading water in the wild card race and they need yeah. to start really getting into the middle. They need to actually be in a wild card position, which they've only been for a couple hours here and there. Right. Um, and they need to stay there and they need to make some distance. And when you drop three games in a row, that really limits your ability to do that. So,
0: right. And I think, you know, and we, Like, you know, Mets world and wider baseball world has talked about this. This is nothing earth shattering. But when you have a wild card race as tight as this one with as many teams involved as this one, one team or another is going to break out like you can't expect every team to just kind of play mediocre down the stretch. There's going to be a team that plays like 10 games over 500 the rest of the way.
2: And and the Nats certainly look to be (laughs) the first to try for that
0: yeah they're playing really really good baseball right now and so you know they, they've put the Mets in a position such that there is really one I mean like it's not an insurmountable lead that the Nationals have taken on the first wild card but they've they unlike the Mets have put some distance and so the it's gotten to the point now where you have you know four or five teams fighting for this single spot and they're all within like two games of each other so you know that's the situation the Mets are in right now, and this series, for that reason, is pivotal. The Cubs are currently in second wild card position. Um, the Mets are the Mets treaded water the past week by playing five hundred baseball. So they are two games back of the Cubs, and the Phillies are one game back of the Cubs. And then the Milwaukee Brewers are a half a game behind the Mets, so two and a half games out. And, you know, there's still a few teams at the fringes, I think, it's either the Diamondbacks. I think the Diamondbacks are like four games out of the wild card. Um, so you know, it's this is a huge, huge series <laughs> for the. They're right kind
2: of all huge for a while now, but this is definitely, definitely one of the keys.
0: Yeah, and this—I mean, this whole week is big because they play the two teams that they are of bat- two of the three teams that are right in that cluster. They play the Cubs and the Phillies right in a row this week and those are you know two good baseball teams that are right in the position that the Mets are in um and like you said they can't afford to just tread water they have to win a lot of baseball games in a row they did that to make up all this ground when they were like so far behind and they you know yeah
2: into the fray which was unexpected and amazing and not easy But now they have to take that next step of like not being in the fray anymore, being on the other side of it.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, And it'll be interesting to talk to Sarah about this from a Cubs perspective, because even though, you know, I will be disappointed and sad if the Mets don't make the playoffs, it still is it's it's in some ways a little less, a little less stressful and a little more fun being the chasing team. Than it is to be the you know the team that the expectations were very high for and sat in playoff position and are now having teams breathe down their necks. Um, in some ways, it's more fun to be the chasing yeah. team. So well, there's also be-
2: there's also something to be said for being absolutely certain that the season was over and that they were just you know playing out what was left and and then having that turn around very quickly. It, it feels like kind of a new opportunity. Like I, I just feel generally less stressed about this season than I did, for example, in like 2016. Yeah. Um, when I really felt like from, from day one, that they just needed this and they were, they were in the spot for it. You know, they just come off the close call with the world series and, and I think it would have been really devastating for them to not make the playoffs at all. And as it was, it was pretty, pretty devastating that they didn't make it past the wildcard game. But this season, I think maybe I've already like processed my, my grief about the 19 Mets and like, I don't know. It just, it feels a little less um, heart rending.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it does. And it, it, you know, it feels, it feels like they're playing with borrowed money a little bit. Um, yeah. So it makes it, you know, fun when, you know, you, you, the season was over and now it's not over it's like oh right well, these a are whole new season these are meaningful games in late august that's great um so as we speak right now the mets have a man on third and two out with jeff mcneil at the plate doing a Come jeff on, mcneil Jeffy. type at bat so here we are one run down in the fifth are you gonna be are you, are you gonna be our
2: um our linda and have yeah, like I big be. emotional reactions that would be wonderful it depends on I miss um linda.
0: <laughs> it depends on in the second half of the show if sarah has the game actually on because i have game day up i can't unlike linda because okay. linda gets the really super live takes because she usually has the game on on like mute or something in the background on, but on cable I think Real so. live cable? My goodness. She's an older millennial, Maggie.
2: <laughs> I am, too, but I'm also broke AF yeah, with two children who eat the world. So yeah, that's fair. Um, but
0: yeah. Yeah, I mean, I currently live with my parents, so I have the luxury of having cable. However, the TV is downstairs, and I record the podcast upstairs, so there's no TV in this room. So I'm, you know, here. Oh, no. In playouts. Here we are. Oh, well. Sad. Sad face. Um, You know, these are... It's fun to it's fun to want to have game day up during these podcast recordings though because if the if the season continued to go how it was going I wouldn't even care to have it up. I'd just be like, yeah, whatever. I'll
2: check the score later. Yeah, it was fun like like I followed games when I was on vacation and I don't often do that. The Mets haven't generally given me good reason to follow games closely um when I'm traveling. Although it was really nice because I was on mountain time and um when everybody was complaining about being up all night watching the rain delay game, I was like, Oh, it's like nine o'clock. That's fine. That's nice. <laughs> so that was great. I thought I was I was like, all right, that's fine.
0: I'm
3: Meanwhile not going I'm anywhere. like,
0: you should go to bed. It, I you have to get up at five forty five in the morning. And I stayed up anyway like an idiot. But whatever, they won, so it's fine. Um I also stayed up for that, you know, fourteen inning game though and they did not win that game. So yeah. <laughs> no they did not. But you know, um so the other sort of, like, piece of Mets news that's kind of relevant going forward is that, obviously, so this week saw Jeff McNeil return from the disabled list, which... yeah, Jeff McNeil. The injured list, which um, changes the look of the entire lineup, in my opinion. Like, this oh, lineup yeah. they have out there today, like, doesn't have the black holes in it that the lineup that they had been putting out there with, like, you know... Juan Legaris, as good as he's been, you know, lately, but like Juan Ligaris and Luis Guillorme and Ruben Tejada, like all in the lineup at once. And you're like, Oh my God.
2: Well, he's Um, basically one of their two best infielders and one of their two best outfielders. Yes. So, (laughs) so I I mean, optimally you would like multiple Jeff McNeils in the lineup, but barring that one makes so much more of a difference in terms of playing matchups, resting guys, because you can move him back and forth and really, um, really just open up a lot of possibilities that will help keep the best bats in the lineup.
0: Yeah, and I think that the Mets may have finally figured out the thing that we knew in April, which is that the optimal combination when you're playing both J.D. Davis and Jeff McNeil is to have Jeff McNeil on the infield and J.D. Davis in the outfield. Like, have they finally figured this out? And I don't know that I
2: totally agree on that honestly. Really? Cuz yeah, I just so I just don't think Davis moves as well in the outfield as McNeil, but I I don't know. I haven't watched enough games I think with with both of them in there to really assess. I don't know. I just get yeah, anytime fair. there's something in the air And J D Davis is running. I'm like, you're not athletic in that way. He did make play of the week, Maggie. It's true, he did. Anything's possible. Believe in yourself, kids.
0: (laughs) And it it was only made possible by the fact that he took a terrible route to the ball in the first place. But he recovered very nicely. (laughs) That was sort of a point, but Um, recovery. That's that's what matters.
2: He was there when it when it counted. Yeah. But yeah, I kind of I don't know. I.
0: I, I kind of, it's a shame. I don't really like J.D. Davis anywhere on that, <laughs> that No, field. he's a, I mean, he's essentially a DH, let's be real. I'm not saying he's like yeah. a good left fielder, but I am saying that I think, I think the reason why I feel that the optimal combination is, uh, is McNeil at third and J.D. Davis in the outfield is kind of two reasons. A, I just – I don't know. For some reason, watching J.D. Davis's like fall down range at third <laughs> base is like more infuriating to me than watching his like bad range in the outfield. I don't know so why. I can, t- I can tell you why because
2: <laughs> – I mean, I think I could tell you why because when he like flops down on the ball, it makes you think of Wilmer Flores.
0: Yeah, possible, possible. That's
2: for me, I definitely just start thinking about Wilmer Flores in the – in the Mets in field every time I see J.D. Davis moving around. So that might be a good enough reason as far as I'm concerned. I so, mean, I love Wilmer Flores as as a human. Of course. Not so much as an infielder. Yeah.
0: He was not a good fielder. Even even the folks that loved him most could not, <laughs> could, <laughs> had to admit that. Um, but I think the second reason, which is somewhat related, um, but the second reason, reason is I think that like you can hide – your bad fielders better in the corner outfield than at third. Like, yeah, just for like the most, fewer w- balls hit to them. I will say, if
2: you have Michael Conforto in center, it's a very different story than if you have Juan Lagares in center. Yes,
0: that is also true. That's also that. True. That's Good kind point. of like, always
2: going to be the catch with who, whatever. Like, if Conforto has to be in center then I think I would rather have McNeil because he can cover a little more ground. But if you can have Ligaris in center, then I think Davis is fine because Ligaris can cover like 60% of that outfield. Yeah,
0: yeah. No, that but makes you a lot know of what? sense. They're,
2: they're, neither is great. Neither is like exactly what you want out there. So no. you take what you can get and uh, just be glad we have that, that shiny new lineup. It looks
0: yeah, great. Yeah, shiny new lineup. And, you know, the other news item is that Brandon Immo's playing nine innings tonight.
2: Brandon Nimmo and- is
0: alive and
2: playing baseball. And that to me is like is still shocking. Like I, I know.
0: Can't believe it. I know. Yeah. Brandon Immo is playing nine innings tonight and is playing five innings tomorrow, apparently. And then they are going to reevaluate. At which point he may in the best case scenario be activated, which is wild. Um I'm thinking It's that- be
2: interesting. Okay. Oh,
0: I I was just going to say that I'm thinking that um, best case scenario, he gets activated like right then and there. But then like if they decide to wait a few days, they're just going to wait till rosters expand and then activate him. That would probably make the most sense.
2: I think it will be really interesting to see how they use him because certainly someone who, let's face it, has not played uninjured since April, part of May, Um, but played awfully through injury was completely sidelined for weeks, like not allowed to do anything. Um, and he's had a good amount of rehab, I think, but, um, like you could, you would kind of understand if they don't want to throw him in there every day, but at the same time, like you kind of want him to get back up to speed. And also it's not like he's got a ton of competition out there. Right. So, I mean you'd really love to see him knock make you know knock Ligaris out of the starting lineup on a regular basis and make sure that um you know that T- Todd Fraser isn't getting tons of play either. Right. Because um 'cause yeah, I mean that's it's a tough call. I mean, and knowing Mickey's probably gonna start him slow because Mickey doesn't like to play good players, but you know. <laughs> what right. can you do?
0: Right. Bad update, meanwhile. <laughs> No, don't give me any more updates. Blah, 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 blah. Javier Baez just hit a two-run homer.
2: Oh, I would rather Javi than Addison Yeah,
0: if the Mets ultimately lose this game, it'll make me feel better that it wasn't like the Russell homer was the only difference in the game. But yeah. that's a small, small consolation. Very small. Very small. <laughs> uh, so this game feels... I mean, I've said this many times this season and been wrong when I say the game feels over with these 2019 Mets, so who knows, but... It's true. Feels bad right now. Feels bad. Not what you want. Regarding Brandon Nimmo, um, in my view, the sort of optimal way to deploy him is I don't think... Even though I think he's a better center fielder than Michael Conforto, I am hesitant to throw him right back out in center field every day right now because yeah. of the injury problems. So I would deploy him in corner outfield along with Jeff McNeil. Um, and I would, or I would, uh, I would deploy him in corner outfield along with JD Davis and put Michael Conforto in center. And I know that Joe Panic's been great for the Mets and he, Obviously, has, still has a place on the team, but I think that you know, like benching he and Todd Frazier kind of alternately, um, since Joe Panic's a lefty, um, would be like in a pseudo platoon situation. Not both of them playing third base. Obviously, you could like shuffle McNeil in there in in field on days when you know he yeah. can't, he's Todd Frazier's not playing third, um, but you know, kind of moving. Frazier and panic into like a part-time situation, um, I think would be the ideal lineup construction once Nimmo returns.
2: I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, And I think also like the team has a pretty grueling schedule down the stretch. They don't have a lot of off days. They've been playing a lot of intense baseball and the, the players who have been healthy have been called on to play a lot. So I don't hate any scenario that allows, even good players, like, I'm going to say someday, maybe not today, maybe not tomorrow, but someday Pete Alonzo needs a day off. Um, yeah. So I, I'm i really okay with giving some guys rest here and there because, like, it's not going to be forthcoming in any other way. They just have to play short sometimes.
0: Yeah, and they're going to need, you know, they're going to need every bit of every guy in order to make this stretch run work <laughs> so, they sure are so it's good that Brandon Nimmo might be coming back um, on a slightly also more... apparently somebody named
2: Jed low low, low- Lowry huh. allegedly a met for a year allegedly this might this is not confirmed but my understanding is that there is a human named Jed Lowry who is Paid by the Mets to play baseball and may do so at some point this season. Huh. Un-
0: unconfirmed. Fascinating. With with regard to Lowry, the thing is, the problem is, is like, how long is it going to take that dude to get up to game speed? And by the time he get up, gets up to game speed, what what calendar date will it be? <laughs> like, is he going to play for two weeks
2: at the end? Like, I just... I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what you can possibly do with him. But let's find
0: out. We'll see. And, um, you know, Robinson Cano is, you know, running around today. And they're saying that they're going to, like, bring him don't back Don't do soon. it. Don't do it. <sighs> I, Dom
2: Smith? I've been so out of the loop. What's happening with Dom Smith? Is I haven't he, heard
0: anything about him.
2: He's not on a scooter anymore. I saw no, that. It was no. good news, but also kind of sad I missed the scooter.
0: The last I heard, he was still aiming for like a September, like a mid-September, or like a September yeah. return. But like, I haven't heard any updates on him in a while.
2: And I would say all those guys, just take it as slow as you can. Just, just get it all taken care of and then see what happens and just not count on anybody. Seems like the way to do it, but this is the Mets. So they're going to do it a different way.
0: The Mets have already rushed Kano back once and like got and had him like healthy for a day. And then he hurt himself again. And they're learning zero from this. Um, You
2: just (laughs) described a scenario that I'm fairly sure has already happened twice this season. Yep.
0: Yep. Cool. And there's, they're fixing to do it again. Good job, Mets.
2: Yeah. But at least Ray Ramirez is gone.
0: Yeah, that fixed victory. everything. That... <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, anyhow, um, when we get back, we will have Sarah Sanchez from Blee Cubby Blue and also our sister podcast, Cup of Cubby Blue, um, on to talk Mets Cubs since that is the topic at hand at the moment. So stay tuned for that.
1: It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
0: And welcome back. This week, we have Sarah Sanchez on from Bleed Cubby Blue and our sister podcast, Cup of Cubby Blue. Welcome, Sarah. Hi. Thank you for having me. So we are in the midst of a very important series between the Mets and the Cubs. The Cubs are currently leading the Mets 4-1 to as we speak in the first game of the three-game set. Um, so it's an opportune time to have Sarah on to talk about things from the Cubs perspective. Um, so Sarah, give us a general idea of where the cubs are at right now in the context of this wild card race and you know their division race as well cuz unlike the mets they are more proximal in their division um how do you feel about the cubs going down the stretch what's your feeling of the overall season arc and like are you optimistic are you pessimistic how are you feeling right now
3: well i mean this cubs team is a little bit weird so i don't know that i would say i'm optimistic but i would say that This is a team that can do a lot of damage, and when they are good, they're, like, really, really good. Um, I actually just wrote about this at Bleed Cubby Blue looking at September schedule and what's going on with the Cubs right now. So the Cubs are really, like, two completely different teams. At home, they have a 667 win percentage. That's even after being swept by the Giants, and yes, that sucked or not the Giants, the Nationals last week. We we swept the Giants and then got swept by the Nationals because, you know, like you do. Um, but away from Wrigley Field, they are literally like one of the worst teams in baseball. Uh, they have a 391 win percentage. And frankly, if they play like that for the rest of the season, they're going to end the season four games behind the Cardinals and Lord knows where they're going to be in terms of the wild card because you all, the Phillies, the Nationals, like none of those teams are going away. So I really want... Like, this series is important to me for a couple of reasons. I think that the Cubs need to demonstrate that they can win a series on the road in an important at an important time in the season. And I also, y'all have really good pitchers going in this series, and I <laughs> want them to demonstrate that they can play well against an ace pitching staff. Like, I want to see what they can do against Stroman, Thor, and DeGrom.
2: Yeah, the Mets, the Mets have all aces nowadays, it feels like.
3: Yeah, it's not. Nice. Yeah, your pitching yeah. your pitching is impressive. It's <laughs> so the rest of it that's the problem.
2: Um, <laughs> well so
3: so there's so
2: from your perspective, you you look at the Mets and you see like, you know, the the core pitching staff is obviously really strong. How do you how does the Mets whole run look to you do, as as an outside perspective? Does it look like it's for real or the Mets just sort of having one last hurrah? What's the vibe?
3: I mean, okay, so can I be honest with you all? Oh, of yeah. course. That's why we're so, here. <laughs> the, the series at Wrigley Field pe- featured the like Mickey Calloway meltdown in oh, the right. visitor clubhouse. And I thought y'all were a disaster, dead team walking. I so was just like, Yeah, same, hard same. I very, never, very hard same. I couldn't even believe what had happened there. And there were a couple of Cubs beat, beat writers who apparently saw it. who was the reporter that Calloway yelled at. Tim Healy. Tim Healy. Okay. I don't, I don't, I don't know all of your beat writers, but so so apparently one of the Cubs beat writers came out of the Cubs clubhouse and saw Tim and was like, Hey, Tim, how'd your post game go? And hadn't looked at Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Not a good question to ask. And it was just kind of like, he got these dagger, like what just happened? And honestly, I, the Cubs have been a, a snake bit franchise and the Cubs have done some terrible things and the Cubs have collapsed and, I've seen it and it's been one of those things. And, you know, I, admittedly, the last few years have been much better. But I had, that was like peak, like, you know, a club that I just thought was going nowhere. And so I was really confused by the moves that were made at the trade deadline. The Stroman deal was kind of confusing. And I was like, I don't know what the Mets are doing. And then y'all started winning like a lot. And I was just kind of like, well, maybe Brody Van Wagenen knows something I don't. <laughs> <laughs> You know, yeah, it's possible
2: it's... both for the Mets to be a good team that's winning games and also for Brody to not know what he's doing. <laughs> I'm, I'm not say saying both of I'm those things are true. It, 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 I, I make no guarantees. I'm just saying it is possible.
3: <laughs> I mean, I, I'm sort of curious how – what are you all thinking? Like, you saw – I thought Mickey was done. I was like, Mickey's going to get fired, and he just almost punched out a reporter. <laughs> then... Like you do. And then now they're in the wildcard race and things look like they might not, like they could be a contender. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I just sort
2: of feel like it's a fever dream and I just want to make sure the good drugs keep coming.
0: Yeah, man. (laughs) It does feel, yeah, we were saying in the top half of the show, it does feel like they're playing with borrowed money a little bit. So it makes... I'm not saying that I'm not stressed out by these games. Trust me, I still get very stressed out when I watch Mets games. And they're especially stressful now that, like, they matter. But, like, it's a little less stressful when, you know, I think there's a difference in the Cubs' perspective and the Mets' perspective. It's a little less stressful when you're the team playing with the borrowed money and you're the team who's chasing. Because... It makes you know it. It does take a little bit of the pressure off when you're the team that's made up like the 10 game deficit, and you're just here like we didn't think we would be here, so this is just fun <laughs> for us, you know. Whereas I feel like the Cubs had, not that the Mets didn't have expectations going into the season, they made the big blockbuster trade, all that, but um, that the pop
2: the Cubs expectations were not smashed so completely by
3: mid June, right, right. Did well, we make it to mid June this year? I don't even remember. No. I'm trying to remember when mid June feels like that was when that Cubs Mets series was. So that was about, about the time right. that yep. things looked like they were kind of collapsing and then they Rock were Rock bottom, basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That sounds about right. I mean, I kind of feel like, with the exception of the Dodgers, the entire National League is a total roller coaster right now. Oh, and yeah, totally. It's not just the Cubs. It's not just the Mets. It's the Nationals. I saw the Nationals play. In DC against the Giants in April, and both of those teams were laughably bad, like terribly, horrendously, laughably bad. And then the Giants went on a little run, and they were flirting with contention for a little bit. And the uh, Nationals, just I mean, they look great right now. They look absolutely ridiculous. And it's one we of those. We know. Teams- I'm sorry. <laughs> Stressful. <laughs> But it's weird, right? It's like yeah. no team in the National League, with the exception of the Dodgers, has really demonstrated that they're capable of going on a sustained run. And I am cur- I don't know what to make of that, because I have two thoughts about it. One is that at any, it's an open race, because at any point, the Dodgers are going to stumble, because they always stumble at some point during the season. And somebody could come in and just be hot and beat them in a playoff series, or... Like, you know, all of this, like the Central, the East, and the wild card could just be an epic finish, right? Like, there's so many teams that have the potential to get hot at the right time.
0: Right. I just feel like the National League is full of high variance, 85 win teams. (laughs) That's right.
2: It's basically been a long time since I remember, since there were two divisions in the National League that really had. Three solid teams in each, which means that you've really got a a six man race, and that's really exciting for just those two. For just the two wild cards and the two. I'm trying to do the math on that. Yeah. Anyway,
3: it's it, it's a dogfight. It's very exciting. It's also stressful. Incredibly stressful. But you
0: know, yeah. So we'll see what happens. But it's at least it, it's fun. It's fun. To have your team playing meaningful baseball games in late August into September and, you know, f- duking it out with all these other contending teams. I This is what makes me in favor of the two wild card system, personally, is this, like, fun races like this.
3: Yeah, I agree with that. I also will say that the Cubs are in a really interesting position. They have 32 games left, well, 31 after this game is over, and 14 of those games are against the Cardinals and the Brewers. So the Cubs really can control their own destiny a little bit here. Like if they just play really well against the Cardinals and the Brewers, they are going to be in really good shape in the division. Yeah. Um, and if they don't, they could be out of it real fast. So put up yeah. or shut up time.
0: The Mets, are in a, the Mets are similar to the Cubs in the sense that they have played much better at home than they have on the road this season. It's not quite the drastic split that the Cubs have, but it is a split for certain, um, which is actually like not what has been in previous years. The Mets have actually been a good road team in the past, um, but this year they're a very good home team. And the Mets have the most home games remaining, I think, of any of these clubs that are contending. For. Oh, interesting. So... That is one thing that, at least, I mean, for whatever home field advantage means, that is one thing that gives the Mets a slight edge, I think, um, which is nice. But, you know, it's up to them to take advantage of it. And who knows if they will. (laughs) So... Um, you know, the Mets and the Cubs, Sarah, go way back. Um, True. <laughs> there's a lot of history between these two teams. Um, specifically, two years come to mind from the Mets perspective 1969. Um, and I just actually read that the Cubs are doing <laughs> a documentary about the 50th anniversary of the 1969 Cubs. And I'm like, why would you want to relive one of the worst? Like thank moments you moments in your franchise history like I really hope the Mets don't you know many years from now do a 50th anniversary of their 07 collapse like what Well, I, <laughs> oh I
2: did I, see I know this is not Cubs related but I just have to interrupt for one second I was at a sports bar the other day and I saw that they were airing amazing finishes 2007 what the hell and I was like <laughs> this is a joke and it's mean that's PTSD inducing don't do that <laughs> it's just awful I spent the entire time, I was there <laughs> grabbing, like, a lunch date with my husband during working hours, and I spent, like, the last half of it ranting about <laughs> about Tom Glavin and just everything about him as a person.
0: <laughs> uh, anyhow, yeah, so
3: 1969 Cubs, they're doing a documentary of that for who knows why. Um, now- I tweeted about this earlier when I saw the Cubs put this out, because I was like, you know, I'm not like, well, okay, I'm a little superstitious. I get lucky manicures, and I'm very much like I have to wear Cubs gear whenever they're playing. and Like, I'm a little superstitious. Can I just say
0: that I am currently drinking the same beer that I drank during the 2015 (laughs) NLCS? (laughs)
3: Okay, well, I hope your beer's luck has worn off and my manicure is luckier. <laughs> Cause it's like the battle of the beer versus the manicure right now. It is. It um, is. We'll see what comes out on top. <laughs> right now the manicure's winning. <laughs> but the um but no, so I, I like tweeted, I was just like, Don't y'all feel like you might be tempting fate a little bit here with the Cubs playing the Mets? And like, let's not talk about nineteen sixty nine. Nineteen sixty nine was not good times for the Cubs and the Mets. Or so I hear, I was not alive then. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> But, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm a little bit superstitious about that. They also uh, had the 1969 throwbacks this year. Every year the Cubs do a throwback uniform, and this year was 1969. And I was kind of like, really? We're doing that? Um, so it, it is. there is some history. I will say that I think that unless you were around in 1969, um, we don't tend to think of the Mets as – that big of a rival, even with 2015. Like 2015 right. for the Cubs was kind of a surprise. They weren't supposed to be there yet. Um, and so we were just like thrilled to vanquish the double birds that are the Cardinals. Right. And then it was kind of like, oh. <laughs> and then we won in 2016. So it was like, it was like totally fine. And it was just like, yeah, this is this is gonna be okay. Um, I don't, I don't have any bad feelings about 2015. I know a lot of fans who are older who have serious PTSD about nineteen sixty nine. Yeah, uh, I can imagine that's the case. Yeah. <laughs> I can too. I I I did not live through that, so I don't know. Um but there are a lot of older Cubs fans around here who that is a that is a sore spot for them.
2: It's I mean, kind it makes of funny. Sense because my mom does not understand how I can hate the Phillies. She's like the Phillies <laughs> are nothing. How do you hate the Phillies?
0: Yeah. I can sure hate the Phillies. That's easy. Um, But it's funny. um, Speaking of like 1969, I... Um, I lived in Baltimore for six years and obviously like the, the Mets and the Orioles have no quarrel. Although the, the team that the 1969 Mets beat in the world series was the Baltimore Orioles, but they are obviously in opposite leagues and like don't aren't rivals in any fashion. So like I had no problem adopting the Orioles as like my second team or whatever. But I remember distinctly one time I was at a game at Camden Yards and I was wearing like an Orioles like tank top and a Mets hat. And there was, like, an old-timey-looking baseball dude sitting next to me at the game. And he turns to me and he goes, ew, the Mets. And I was like, I've never had an (laughs) Orioles fan react that way. And he goes, I'm still bitter about 1969. (laughs) And I was like, wow, really? And I was like, well, I wasn't alive, so please don't take it out on me. (laughs) You're like, that was somebody, some other older Mets fan. Yeah. And, like, you know. The, it's not like the Orioles haven't won a championship since then. They have, uh, and they won plenty of championships during that era of them being good. But you know, it was just funny. Um, so yeah, you kind of, pre- Sarah, you kind of preempted my like like follow up question to this, which is that you know. Does the fact that the Cubs and I feel like the Mets and the Cubs were similar in 2015 when they met in the NLCS in the sense that you said the Cubs were just happy to have vanquished the Cardinals. And I think the Mets felt very similar in the sense that 2015, obviously, they came from behind again. They came from like their season basically being over. So again, they were kind of playing with borrowed money in 2015. They were not expected to be a playoff contender necessarily. They made the huge cesspitous trade at the trading deadline, went on a tear in the second half and made it. And the NLDS with the Dodgers was a hard-fought series with the Chase Utley situation um, and everything like that. So I think the Mets were just riding the high from having vanquished that team with Chase, Chase Utley as the villain. And so I think, you know, they were just happy to be in the NLCS. So the fact that they were able to beat the Cubs was just like, you know, a cherry on top. But do you think that the fact that the Cubs won a championship the very next year makes the Mets less of a villain and it makes it less painful?
3: Oh, the Cubs winning the World Series was like... It got rid of a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sure. Like I, I can imagine. So I, I, I'm not trying to be that girl. So I was actually in 2015 when the Cubs were playing the Mets. A friend of mine in New York is a huge Mets fan. She has like pictures of herself when she was two and three years old wearing Mets gear. And she started. She's never really been like a for like a baseball first acquaintance of mine. We're work friends, and um, we both have similar politics so we talk about that type of stuff and so I was kind of shocked when she came at me like very aggressively with this like we are going to destroy you in the (laughs) NLCS thing I was like whoa did not see that one coming at all um and the thing that I thought was weird there and then I, I will admit was her insistence that being a Mets fan was just as bad as being a Cubs fan because the whole like 1986, 1908 thing, I was like, this is not, these are not comparable things. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is like, there are whole families and generations of Cubs fans who have lived and died and will never, and never saw the team in the World Series. <laughs> and oh, like, I guess- so this the, like, I, I think this fans, like have pictures of like action and like <laughs> actual players who are still alive who can talk about what it was like to win a World Series. And so in twenty sixteen, like all that all of that went away. But I think the one thing that maybe the only team left who really gets that level of like true like generational grief is the Indians. Because it's one thing to have lived your whole life never seeing your team win. I, I'm a also a fan of the jazz and basketball like I never I've never seen the jazz win right but it's different to have never seen your team win and to just know that like nobody who's living has seen your team won e- win, eat when either that is a whole nother level of like schadenfreude that like I just I, I don't know like everything everything felt so like gut-wrenching like Rajay Davis's and he was just batting. So I, this is front of mind for me anyway, but his home run <laughs> to tie that game and game seven in the ninth. Like I, I felt physically sick to my stomach. I thought I was going to pass out. I was just like, not again. I can't do I, this. Can't happen again. So I think that, I, I think, I think there are similarities. Like the Mets are a long suffering franchise and one of these days y'all are going to win. It's going to be great. But the generational thing makes that different. And I hope for the sake of y'all, because I like you, that you don't have that type of generational. (laughs) We hope so too. I feel like the thing with the
2: Mets and like, it's not that our misery is always comes out of losing all the time. Although we do that really well. Um, But it's the, the real misery of the Mets is the friends we made along the way. So whether it's, whether it was what's his name who sprayed the other guy's pants with a bottle of bleach, or, um, <laughs> oh, K Rod. That oh oh, that's, that's all you need to know. That's it. Um, K Rod punching out his father in law after a game, um, a game I think he also blew the save on, he did. combining two of the Mets' favorite activities, <laughs> which is embarrassing themselves and losing baseball games and you know Mickey Callaway having a meltdown like all of this stuff is not surprising to anyone who's been a Mets fan for more than 20 minutes and it's true that winning a world series will erase all all hurts but that's a lot of hurts
0: yeah Fans.
2: and they've been building up for for several decades at this point so
0: <laughs> yeah it's less about the it's less about the world series drought although you know i i I was not alive in 1986, so I missed
2: that.
3: I was
0: 16 months. Right, (laughs) so it's like neither of us have been alive, but I I feel you on the generational thing. That is definitely a factor that I will not minimize. I just think that the Mets misery has more to do with the organizational-wide dysfunction and the constant, like, lull Mets being the butt of jokes of, like, the entire baseball community, and often deservedly so, just, like, the the the... Ownership losing their fortune in a Ponzi scheme, like that's the type of shit that is waka
3: waka. Yeah, yeah, and and we like the, the Cubs didn't have. Well, there was some serious mismanagement under the Tribune Company, um, so I'm not going to say that there wasn't mismanagement. It's it sort of seemed like the the story around the Cubs was always one of misfortune, right? like a black cat walks on the field and right. then the team collapses and or the Bartman incident, which by the way, not Bartman's fault, definitely Moises Alou's fault. And what was Dusty Baker doing, managing Carrywood Wood and Mark Pryor that way anyway. But like I, so the Cubs always felt like something some thing was going to intervene, some like fate or karmic thing was going to intervene. And that's the other reason that the Rajai Davis home run was such a gut punch, right? It was just like, but the Cubs were winning and they were winning late and things were going fine. And this is the closer who is supposed to be fine. And what happened? Right. So yeah, it was, although uh, on the record, and I know that this is something we might talk about later, but I am um, not a Neraldas Chapman fan. Always had a very hard, pro- hard time with him being on the Cubs. Uh, that was, yeah. he's trash. He's yep, trash. Fuck he's... That guy. Uh, do- Oh, can we swear on this podcast? I yes. probably shouldn't. <laughs> little bit yeah not uh i am on record very vocally as being not a fan of heraldis chapman and that was a hard that well that was actually a hard part of 2016 was how do you cheer for this team knowing that somebody who is so despicable was part of this thing that i wanted more than anything in the world
0: right yeah it's, you know, it's really, really tough. And we'll seamlessly transition into that. So, I mean, we we as Mets fans are, you know, you know we have solidarity here. We yes. lived through the Jose Reyes bullshit. Um, I mean, it's, le- it's, it's a little bit... Isn't it nice bit... that we
2: can all bond over which one of the players on our favorite team beat his partner?
0: Yep. Trash. Yep. It's kind just... They're, they're terrible people. <laughs> terrible people. And with Jose Reyes it's there there are different <laughs> dynamics between like the Addison Russell stuff and the Jose Reyes stuff that make it like you know uniquely hell for each you know for each fan base at least the subset of the fan base that gives a shit um, but with Jose Reyes the thing that made it hard is be- is that he was a beloved player like right. a franchise player for many years and he left the Mets and came back under this like that is the whole reason he was back on the Mets because the Mets could sign him for minimum because he was released because of this and so that added like an extra level of just awfulness to the whole thing um because we knew that the Mets were pretty much profiting off of his abuse of its partner which is just the worst um but the Addison Russell situation and the this Chapman situation um, for the Cubs is uniquely awful because at least Jose Reyes was not on winning teams. So, you know, it kind of – it's not like you ha- it's not like the Mets had, like, a, quote, tainted championship by any of this. So that's, like, a layer. Yeah, out. we
2: have no positive memories around,
0: around Jose, Jose Reyes' return, Reyes's
2: return, return. <laughs> whatsoever. All bad. Straight up I mean, bad.
3: With, with Chapman, it was sort of like – he was basically a mercenary, right? Like he, they traded for him to come in and do a job, and he did that job. But they did it knowing that he had this thing that made him, honestly, just a really—I—I I don't have words to describe the way I feel about this Chapman. Um, I will say this. So this is how I dealt with this Chapman. Well, I'll—I'll I'll, I'll get to that in a second. The Addison Russell thing was more heartbreaking in a sense because we had cheered for him and welcomed him as like, he was part of this core that was supposed to be the dynasty team going forward. Right. And they haven't really lived up to the dynasty part of that, but they have been the most successful Cubs team since the early 1900s. And it's not particularly close. Um, And so to have this person who was so, he was supposed to be part of the celebrated core of players like Javi Baez has a street named after him in Humboldt park. (laughs) And they named named that street after him like two years after he started playing, the kid was 24 years old. He had a street named after him in the Puerto Rican neighborhood in Chicago. Right. Uh, Wilson Contreras is beloved in the city, like beloved. He um, does the different, a couple of different charities that he works with. He is um, an advocate for, Disabled uh, children, there are all these great videos of him with uh, disabled children coming to visit him at, um, at Wrigley and how great he is with them. He's known for staying in the parking lot until every last kid's autograph is signed uh, in Aww. the player's parking lot. And he and he's fierce about it. Like he will not drive away. He's gonna sign every last autograph, right? And that and Addison was supposed to be part of that group of people. And in fact, the thing I kept thinking about when all of those allegations came out and got we got more information about them was that the um, my old boss, so not the job I'm currently at, a former job, had a little kid uh, who was like four years old. He loved baseball, and his favorite player was Addison Russell. And he would tell me that that was like the thing we bonded over, right? Like me and this Mm. four-year-old. And all I could think about was this four-year-old kid and how, how do you even explain that, right? Like, what do you tell a four-year-old? Like, he's not going to understand, right? Right. And, but you also don't want him to idolize somebody who's clearly got that terrible history. Um. With him, so I I never found out what she did with that. Uh, we weren't particularly close after I got a different job. But I I always wondered about that. I like thought about the little kids who had Addison Russell jerseys or jerseys and how what this would mean to them. I don't know what that would have meant to me. I mean, my favorite player growing up was Ryan Sandberg, and I was devoted. And I just I can't imagine <laughs> if that had been my early baseball experience. It was hard enough when the steroid scandal. Tainted the whole home run race, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because my favorite player, you know, growing up was Mike Piazza. And I can't imagine if I found out that he did something that horrendous. I would... It would... It would break me.
2: Mine was Daryl Strawberry. I mean... I'll say this. Like, what... So, it, it all came out pretty slowly. All the deal... All the stuff with him. And then... And then like my awareness of it because I was also much younger at the time. Um so that was that helped. I don't know. It was all it was pretty terrible. It's all pretty terrible. Yeah. But it definitely like it wasn't like I found out all at once and understood all at once. It was more like gradual. Oh, he's got some problems. Ooh, he's got some problems. Oh my god, he had those problems too. Like it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. It was it's... gradual.
0: So it just like it it all goes back to the theme of like how do you reconcile like having people on your team that have done horrific things with your fandom and your love of your team, which I kind of i i did i had like a whole like come to Jesus moment when i like when the Mets. When the Mets brought Jose Reyes back because that was also like a dark time for the Mets. They were a bad team and they were going to be a bad team. And they kept making like they were there was mismanagement. There were injuries they didn't deal with properly. There was like all the Mets stuff that reminds me of like why the Mets are so frustrating in Rue 4. And I just thought to myself, like, can I do this? And I think what kept me there um, was me saying, I will not give this terrible person this power over me to take away this thing that I love I refuse to do that yeah. and that's just kind of how I sleep at night
2: <laughs> well and for yeah. me also for better or worse like I had the kids by that point or at least I had Tommy and like he would ask me to go to baseball games and I I had I really had not wanted to go to any at least for a while because it was all just so raw and very um Yeah, just very, it just, I felt very raw. It all felt so new. Um, And when he would ask me, that's, that's when I knew, like, I wasn't, he wasn't learning anything from, from me not taking him to games. And it's not like, you know, he was missing some huge part of life that he desperately needed. But like, I don't know, I took the opportunity to, to, to take him to games and to talk to him about you know, why, why I didn't clap for some players and, you know, why baseball is super important, but other things are more important. You know, I would, I tried to turn it into some teaching moments and that was, I'm glad I had that because it just, I don't know when I would have been able to get back on the, the baseball horse if I hadn't had kind of outside influence.
3: Yeah. I mean, I, um, so for both Chapman and for Addison Russell, I sort of had the same approach. And it, it's not particularly satisfying. It doesn't feel like it's enough. Um, but I just, I can't, I can't cheer for them. Like I, I don't join the people standing up and cheering. I also don't join the boos because it doesn't feel, that's not particularly yeah, it do, gratifying I mean, either. It doesn't do anything for me to like boo somebody. Yeah, um, it feels gross. But it feels weird to be in a stadium of like 40,000 people with stuff going on and to not be able to feel joy about this thing that the Cubs are like my favorite thing, right? I am single and I don't have kids and I, outside of my immediate family and like, you know, some of my work, like I, the Cubs are my favorite thing. (laughs) It's like my longest relationship is with the Chicago Cubs. Yep. I feel you there. And I it's hard to have an element of that be something that I can't, not only like can't cheer for, but like that actively hurts me. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it's not great. And I, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know what MLB should do. I was on the record saying, I wish that the Cubs had non-tendered Addison Russell and just taken a loss there. Um, I understand I, to, to their credit, I will say this and you know, I don't, I don't know if Theo's going to be, proven right or wrong about this. I think it's equally likely that either one could happen, but I I think he is sincere when he says that he feels like the team bears some responsibility for how it develops its players. And he wants to do better and see if they can be part of the solution there. I don't necessarily think that's a thing that baseball teams are equipped to do. Um, I think it may be substantial. He may find that it is substantially harder to, Be in the business of rehabilitating people who struggle with domestic violence than it is to rebuild the Cubs or the Red Sox. Um, But I I think he's sincere there. Like, I have no reason to believe he's not. And he seems sincere, and he seems to be genuinely wrestling with it every time he talks about it. But it's just hard. It's not a thing that, you know, it's not a thing that I want associated with what is ultimately like my escape from bad things in the world.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's not an easy thing and there's no there's no good answer here. I can't I can't blame people who turn away from their teams because of this and I certainly can't blame people who don't but still continue to wrestle with, you know, not rooting for individual players but while still rooting for their team. I can't really begrudge either response i mean this um,
2: is kind of a this is such a complicated emotional situation kind of the only response that i feel like i do kind of judge are the people who make excuses yeah, who try sure. who who try to talk it up like what they did wasn't wrong or that it's you know that it's personal that it you know or the or the, like- the, the, the like oh like you're so perfect it's like well i've never like physically or emotionally abused a partner, so I'm better than that. I yeah. know it's 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 the, the minimization and the normalization and 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 the justification. That's that's the only time that I'll start to get really mad. If you don't want to watch a sport because there's somebody in there that just disgusts you, then that is fine. And if you feel like what you get is is important and you find a way to to justify it for yourself and to you know, make the connection with the good part of the team, that's good too. It's only when you take the opportunity to really, um, to really lean into being a shitty person. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, like running out of ways to explain it. Like when you're just like, I'm gonna go ahead and, and wear this domestic violence isn't so bad cap. That's the when I start to to really question.
0: And when you put it under like a not baseball category is if you can like compartmentalize that way. Like, I don't know, like people who act as if sports are played in a vacuum and not in a society. (laughs) Like I, that I can't deal with.
3: I mean, even beyond that, that I think the responses that have been most jarring for me, because it's a, it's a short walk from, you know, people deserve a second chance or whatever to, um, acting like the acting like Russell or Chapman is the victim in the situation. Oh, yeah. And those responses are the ones that really just absolutely aggravate me. And I can't handle because it, you know, they did something that is terrible. And people get to be upset about that. And they don't know everybody in the world does not owe them 100% redemption and a second chance. Like, that's just one of those things. That's one of those hard lessons when you do something terrible. And it's... Sometimes there there are
2: consequences.
3: Right. And this idea that, like, somehow it's not okay to be angry at them, or it's not okay to not like them, or it's not okay to... I've had a couple of readers who have commented on... I wrote way too many words about Addison Russell covering this over the summer and over the off-season. But the some of the comments that were most jarring for me were the people that were like, can't you just give it a rest? We're done. Like, and it's like, well, it's a story still. And it's important to a lot of people. And no, we're not just going to give it a rest. Like we're going it's a thing that some people still need to talk about and hear about. And so we're going to continue to do that. Um, but that was, those are the responses that get to me. There was one in particular that's coming to mind at the, at the moment. Cause I don't know if you all, have been following the Ben Zober situation all that much. Yeah, but a he's been bit. Yeah, he's been on the restricted list um dealing with the aftermath of his divorce with his wife. And it's been pretty hush-hush what all the circumstances there are, but now he's back in the minors working his way back. He's in AAA. Um but I was really excited to see him back. He's a great clubhouse presence and by all accounts a great guy. And I get a little frustrated when people um judge his situation like, well, I wouldn't be able to take three months off of work. If I got divorced, it's like, well, wouldn't the world be better if maybe bosses did yeah. do that and people could take time for stressful life situations, but that's neither what if here. Being to there. a human being mattered almost as much as being a human resource. Right, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so when he was making his comeback, somebody um came into my DMs and said that compared the Zobrist and Russell situations, that it nope. was like that yep. both of them were players who had had such a long time off, and he didn't understand how I could be so worried about the Russell situation and so okay with the Zopra situation. I was like, I don't even. <laughs> Excuse me. Did you, you just it?
2: compare these
3: two things? Because
2: <laughs> they're do not. the same. Do you think that you were mad at Russell for being suspended and not for what he did correct. to get
3: this suspension? Like, wow. Correct. Woof. Correct.
2: Correct.
3: Yikes. And- but that was a take, and I was just like, "Okay, these are these are very radically different things." <laughs> One just, of these things is not feel like, like the there's other. some people who just live in another plane of morality. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, it's crazy. gosh, it's a really awful thing you did, missing all those baseball games. Exactly. Yeah. Like the, the the bad thing was not the missing of the baseball games. Um, frankly, he probably should have missed more of them.
0: Yeah, yikes! That's that's a take. <laughs> On that note here's something new every day right learn new takes every day on twitter.com folks (laughs) on that note since we ended on kind of a sad note but it's it's an important conversation to to have so but we since we ended on a sad note we will take a break but when we get back we will end the show as a whole on a happy note with walk-off wins so stay tuned for that
1: 18 plus
0: and we are back um so we have returned with walk-off wins as we always do um where each of us talks about what is making us happy this week baseball related or otherwise so maggie what is your walk-off win for this week
2: so my walk-off win is the reason that i was not around last week and that was that my family made our annual sojourn out to um south dakota now i am a city girl I am a an East Coaster, and um, I knew that my my husband now my husband's but you know if you had told me fifteen years ago that I would be super excited to take my kids to see my in laws in South Dakota, I would have been shocked. Um, but South Dakota is a like wonderful place, and I'm, and I am not being paid by the state of South Dakota though. If they <laughs> want to cut me a check, that's fine. Um, I will go to the mat any time that. South Dakota is just absolutely one of the best places to go with kids on a vacation. Um, I mean, it's, it's super affordable and there's tons of like train stuff. My son is obsessed with trains. There's lots of like old timey train activities and like it's the, something like the majority of dinosaur bones found in the U S have been found in South Dakota. So there's dinosaurs everywhere and like super cool nature and like rapid city, the downtown area is really beautiful and they've, they put a lot of resources into like having a lot of shared green spaces and, and um, independent shops. And it's, it's just a great place to go. And it's, and I love my in-laws and the kids love the in-laws and vice versa. And it was just a wonderful, what was a wonderful vacation. I couldn't watch the games, but I listened and I was on mountain time. So I got to hear everything as it happened. Um, and not like the next morning because it was 1130 at night and I was fast asleep. But it was, yeah, it was,
0: it was just a great vacation.
2: And I'm glad to be back with y'all. But um, I would not mind another vacation soon.
0: <laughs> That's wonderful. I'm happy you had a good time. Um so my walk-off win for this week is just a nice weekend that I had um so on Sunday I hung out with um fellow Amazing Avenue folks Kellyanne and Michael um you guys know Kellyanne she's been on the show a couple times including last week um and we just you know we just had a really nice day we watched the Mets even though they lost you know that was during the Braves series we won't talk about that um but you know, it's nice watching the Mets with other Mets fans, which I didn't do for six years when I lived in Baltimore, basically. I watched pretty much every game by myself. So one of the like perks of being back in New Jersey is just getting to hang out with you know New York area people and Mets fans again. It's just really fun to share this thing um, that I really love that's like super important in my life with other people who it's super important in their life too so that's like you know really great um we went to the bakery there's like obviously new jersey is (laughs) land of bakeries and really good ones at that um and we made kellyanne watch mine one of mine and michael's favorite shows which is avatar the last airbender no one make fun of me no one at me it is such a good show (laughs)
2: So um, we had been don't ho- don't add her because you couldn't possibly burn her as much as I am thinking in my head right now. You know what?
0: <laughs> OK, don't knock it till you've tried it. Um, But Ke- uh, but Michael and I love this show and we've been trying to make Kellyanne watch it for like many months now and she finally watched it and she liked it. Booyah, victory for us. So we converted her into an Avatar Last Airbender fan. So we just had a really fun time just hanging out together. And it just it made me happy because it always whenever I have uh, a good time with my fellow Amazing Avenue folks, whenever we go to games together, whenever we get to see each other in real life, it always just reminds me that like it reminds me why the Mets are so important to me besides just all the baseball stuff because it's given me so much more than just baseball it's given me lifelong friends and that makes me so happy to think about that I've like been embraced by this community and that I have like a whole community of people that are basically family to me now because of this stupid baseball team we all love
2: (laughs) wait are you saying the Mets are the friends we made along the way they
0: they really are they are the friends we made (laughs) along the way exactly Maggie exactly um so that's my walk-off win so, Sarah Sanchez, what is your walk-off win?
3: All right, so I'm going to try to tell the story in a way that makes sense. Um, I So I was also out of town this weekend. I was in Iowa, which if you know anything about Iowa and blackout rules, I knew I was not going to get to watch any of the Cubs National Series, which, frankly, is probably for the best. We had a whole um, episode about blackout rules. So <laughs> you're familiar. To say. Well, I, yeah, Iowa is just, like, the worst, though, because Iowa is situated where I think they're blacked out from seven teams.
0: Yeah, it's, like, yeah, it's, like, at least five.
3: Right, and so, like, on any given day, you could be blacked out from, like, 14 different teams, depending on who's playing who. It's He's just, like,
2: like, 40% of games or something, around 40% of games are blocked right? out okay. Yeah, it's
3: totally yeah. ridiculous, and, like, there's no baseball team in Iowa, so it's so <laughs> weird Like, I I feel bad for Iowans is what I'm trying to say. But anyway, so I was um, at this work event and there was no baseball. There was also, like, no Wi-Fi. We were at this uh, camp about 40 minutes away from Des Moines. And so I was – but I was still doing my thing, you know, repping the Cubs, wearing some Cubs gear, uh, like I mentioned earlier in the show. And at one point, this random person – people started calling me Cubs because – like a big group of people and nobody knows everybody's names. But anyway, so this guy called me Cubs and I responded because obviously. Um, but it turned out that he was Kyle Ryan's cousin. Whoa. So Kyle yeah. Ryan, who was just up in the bullpen for the Cubs during the eighth inning, and I don't know if he'll come in for the bottom of the ninth or not, is such a cool story. And I got to talk to his cousin about it this weekend, which was really fun. Um, if you don't know, Kyle Ryan was a pitcher for the Tigers and got released. He was, he, and he was done. Like he, as he puts it in an interview that he did with Ken Rosenthal for the athletic earlier this year, he couldn't hit the broadside of a barn and he just decided that he couldn't pitch anymore. And in the off season in 2017, a Cubs scout went and met with him at like a golf course or something and was like, Hey, we think we have spotted a mechanical fix and we'd like to sign you to a minor league deal to see if we can work that out. And they did. And he's been such a great arm out of the bullpen this year. His numbers are out of control. His cousin was really nice. He was joking. He was like, you know, we say that um, I'm the more famous Ryan brother, but clearly he's not. Um, but so it was just, it was really fun to like find this little vignette of Cubs baseball in this like random Wi-Fi free camp 700 or 370 miles away from Wrigley Field. Um And that was just that was just a joyful thing. And it was a reminder of how even when the Cubs are losing and I don't have the games in front of me, Cubs baseball is just a lovely way to connect with people all over the place.
0: That's awesome. That's such a cool story. I love that.
3: It's super
0: random.
2: Small baseball world stuff is always is is lovely.
0: It's very fun. So before we sign off for the night, um, Maggie has a special announcement for our listeners. So take it away, Maggie. Okay. Um
2: we're really excited about this. We really so, are. Um we we've this has been so much fun this show doing every day. Um every not every day, every week. Um and it's it's just been a great opportunity to to be reminded about what matters. Uh, so we want to put our money where our mouths are and we want to use the opportunity of having this show to make a difference by donating to the National Domestic Violence Hotline. So all of us at a pot of their own are each going to pledge to donate for every home run the Mets hit in the month of September. And we want you all, all of our listeners to do the same. So, um, the amount can be small or large. You can tell us, or you can keep it private. Um, you know, it, it the amount isn't what matters. What matters is just kind of getting us all together and doing this as a group. So, um, Drop us an email, a tweet, or a comment, and just let us know if you're on board so we can shout out all of our amazing and generous listeners who are taking part. Um, Keep listening because we're actually finalizing some pretty exciting news around the fundraiser that we can't wait to share. Um, But in the meantime, count up those Mets home runs with us all month long and go to www.thehotline.org. To learn more about the dom- uh, national domestic violence hotline and the incredible work that they're doing every day, so yay, Apato fundraiser, it's yay. happening September. Oh, Home that's awesome! Times. Yay, yay, I I love mean, that. Uh, and we'll have more. Um, we'll have more details about this online and just as more stuff comes out. So, so keep an eye on Twitter and and see what we have to offer you.
0: Yep, That's really super. Super I'm so
2: glad Sarah you got to be here to hear the announcement because it's it's relevant to, to what discussion. y'all are doing. And
3: <laughs> and you can also pledge to donate for every home run the Mets hit. I, I was I was gonna say I, I don't know if I can if I can donate for Mets home runs. I'm I'm trying to think of a way if Cubs fans wanted to donate for Cubs home runs. Yeah, if you We want to partner with us and donate for Cubs home runs, that's fine. Admittedly, we have we I, I know quite a few people in Cubs Twitterland and Cubs fandom who would probably feel exactly the same way about that particular cause this season,
1: yeah,
0: I think wow. it's a cause that we the can more both the merrier get behind, so if we want to if you guys want to participate along with us and just make it a like a Cubs fundraiser on your end, happy to do that that's that would be great. The more the merrier, the more money that we raise, the better so um especially during these this stretch run for where for both teams home runs the, each of these home runs really matter in the month of September, so totally. For it to also like you know matter in the standings but also matter as far as making a difference in the greater world so we're very excited about this um, we can't wait to hear from all of you um, and we're super pumped about it um, so yeah um but in the meantime while you wait for more information about our fundraiser you can go to AmazonAvenue.com to get all of our fantastic mets content all of our game recaps all of our analysis of the mets current stretch run everything mets you could ever ask for you can follow amazing avenue on twitter instagram and facebook at amazing avenue you can follow the show on twitter at a pot of their own you can follow each of us on twitter i am at petite phd where are you maggie at Maggie162. And Sarah, where can our listeners find you on the Twitter?
3: You can find me at, at BCB underscore Sarah, no H S A R A. And you can find my podcast about the Cubs in case you are not getting enough baseball coverage um, in your week at, at Cuppa Cubby Blue.
0: Yeah, everyone listen to Cup of Cubby Blue. They do a fantastic job. We definitely consider them a sister podcast to ours. Um, Very similar mission, very similar vibe. We love our sister podcast, Cup of Cubby Blue. So give them a listen, give them a download. They absolutely deserve it for the work they do. Um, So please also um, subscribe to the podcast. You can get it on any of your podcasting platforms of your choice. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Stitcher wherever you get your podcasts um rate and review the show it really really helps people find it um the original music for the intro and the outro to this show is by bunga let's go mets and don't forget there is no crying in podcasts